the SD Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Oh, man. Oh, man. How much I miss that song. <laughs> that is one of what it was one of my favorite songs 10, 12 years ago when it first debuted for Jeff Hardy. Um, and that was Jeff Hardy's run pretty much with the WWE Championship. He had that song. No more words. Um, people wanted it back for a long time and they got it. <laughs> now, ironically, one of the lyrics in that song is, do you see the writing on the wall? Now, ironically, I do. And it's not for the new up-and-coming Karrion Cross. It is for Jeff Hardy. But, however, I will get into that in a little bit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Welcome to the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 58. I am your host. I am Jay. Back at you, bringing you all the hits and misses when it comes to professional wrestling. Um, And let me tell you something. <laughs> a lot has gone down in a very short period of time. <laughs> a lot of buzz, a lot of noise, a lot of news, a lot of news that has not been broken yet. I mean, it has, but it hasn't. <laughs> a lot of people think they know what's going on and report things. And all we can do as fans who are not in that circle in terms of having sources in the wrestling industry, um, we just got to await have a wait and see approach and just be surprised even though we probably won't be <laughs> if if all these sources all these outside uh dirt sheets are correct about certain things i'm gonna get into a lot of stuff in a rel relatively quick fashion i'm gonna i'm gonna be rapid fire almost but we're gonna have a dope show um i'm glad to be back on and um it is a good time <laughs> to be watching wrestling a lot of stuff is going on you know, uh, Money in the Bank was last week. Um, even <laughs> talking about Impact, Slammiversary was last week. They had a couple of debuts, um, a couple of returns. Um, they're working with other companies. Impact is turning into what the territories used to be. Impact, AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, all these promotions, NWA. It's almost like the territories are kind of returning in a sort where... Um, a lot of these wrestlers are able to work, you know, in different areas, which is pretty cool. Um, AEW is making a lot of noise, a lot of rumors, a lot of news is coming out from AEW. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, could they be on their way? It, could they have already went pen to paper on contracts with AEW? We'll see. Um, this past week on AEW, Chavo Guerrero. AEW just is is the I guess the gift that keeps on giving with just you know signing everybody. <laughs> Nick Gage. We'll get into him a little bit later. Um, <laughs> um, Alistair Black, Malachi Black. We'll talk about him. Uh, I'm am I feeling the name? Not really, but you know we're gonna get something good with him and Cody. So we'll. I'll hold judgment. <laughs> I'm happy for the guy. Um, unfortunately, we've had some deaths in the past uh, few weeks, in the past month or so. Um, some some decent names that uh, people will remember or maybe not, but we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm still wondering where Braun Strowman is going to land. We'll get into that. Um, you know, the booking of Bobby Lashley as of late, especially the domination of Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. I'm really liking it. And now he's going to have a little bit of an old school challenge at SummerSlam. <sighs> we'll get into that also. <laughs> We're going to get into a lot of things. But first off, let's talk about Karrion Cross. okay? I want to get into Karrion Cross because Karrion Cross, NXT champion, I believe one-on-one -on -one has not been defeated in NXT and 
he gets jobbed out to Jeff Hardy. Uh, I, I opened the show with Jeff Hardy's theme song because I not only loved the loved that song, but they gave it back to him this past Monday. I see this as a last hurrah for Jeff Hardy. A, a lot of people were seeing it as a burial of Karrion Cross. I don't see it that way. Karrion Cross is also feuding with Samoa Joe in NXT. Um, so I don't think, you know, losing to Jeff Hardy is that big of a deal because, you know, whatever. I mean, Jeff Hardy's at this point, he is a legend in this industry, you know, and and yeah, he has been on the short end of the stick on a lot of wins and losses um, in the past year or so. So, you know, yeah, it is kind of baffling that your up and coming killer of an NXT champion uh, loses to Jeff Hardy. However, it wasn't a clean loss. Jeff Hardy actually cheated to win the match, which is fine. Um, it keeps carrying cross strong to the point of it's not like Jeff beat him with a swanton in two minutes. You know what I mean? Now, the reason I say this about Jeff Hardy, and my original idea was to make a little feud out of it, you know, um, have carrying cross come back to Monday Night Raw this coming week and just attack Jeff Hardy, obliterate him. And then you have Jeff Hardy challenge Karrion Cross for the NXT championship at at SummerSlam. But with the booking of Karrion Cross going against Samoa Joe in NXT, they're probably they're definitely going to face off at the takeover before SummerSlam. Now I'm thinking maybe does Samoa Joe become a three-time NXT champion and then you just that's your way of just moving Karrion Cross into the main roster into a feud already with Jeff Hardy? Maybe, but I, I thought it would have been cool if uh, if you have Jeff Hardy go after the NXT title. It's a title, he, obviously, he's never worn. Um, and I, I just thought that would have been interesting, having the NXT title um, defended at SummerSlam against Jeff Hardy. But it seems that they're leaning toward Cross and Samoa Joe. Um, so I could see maybe Cross losing to Joe and then just magically just staying on the main roster and feuding with Jeff Hardy, which Jeff Hardy will lose that feud. Let's not get it twisted. This is not a burial of Karrion Cross, okay? Not at all. Let's take let's rewind time a little bit here. Let's go back to when Charlotte Flair was the young up and coming NXT women's champion. And she came up to the main roster as the NXT Women's Champion and lost cleanly to Natalia. Okay? Natalia, who Charlotte beat in NXT in the NXT Women's Tournament to become the NXT Women's Champion. They had Bret Hart in Natalia's corner. They had Ric Flair in Charlotte's corner. And Charlotte beat Natalia in NXT to win the NXT Women's Championship. And Natalia beat Charlotte Flair. I believe on a Monday Night Raw in about three minutes. All right, so this isn't the first time that WWE has done this. If they're really behind Karrion Cross, if Triple H is really behind Karrion Cross, and on the main roster they get behind Karrion Cross, this is not a burial one bit. Losing to Jeff Hardy is nothing to be ashamed of. It's not a burial of his character. I'm pretty sure Jeff Hardy. If this is if this turns into a feud. Jeff Hardy's losing this feud. There ain't no way they're going to take the up-and-coming, unstoppable NXT champion and just, you know, countlessly job him out to Jeff Hardy. I don't see it happening. So that's why, yes, I see the writing on the wall for Jeff Hardy. I think after this year, Jeff Hardy will be in AEW. I'm calling. Uh, I'm just, that. that's just my opinion. I see him and Matt in AEW together. But we'll see. Maybe not. That's just one man's opinion. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I said, a lot of things are going down. Money in the bank was last week. And huh, I mean, I, for me, it, I enjoyed it. It was a decent show. Um, just quick rundown. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to get into detail on this pay-per-view because it's already a week old. But I'm going to just go right through the card. Um the Usos are the new SmackDown Tag Team Championship 
champions, sorry, they won the tag team championship from the Mysterios. So now the bloodline has pretty much all the gold on SmackDown, which is cool. Um, rumor is that uh that uh Miss Miss Uso, uh, Miss Fatu, uh, Naomi is going to be heading over to SmackDown. So does Naomi become the female member of the bloodline and challenge Bianca Belair? And maybe defeat Bianca Belair, and then the bloodline will literally have all the championships. Hey, it could happen. That I I, w- I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> um, you got the women's money in the bank, which started the show. Um, obviously Nikki Cross. I'm not. I can't. <sighs> you know, if this is what it took for Nikki Cross to be a champion in the WWE, more power to her. I'm happy for her. But this is a goofy, goofy freaking gimmick. This almost a superhero like uh, Nikki Ash won the money in the bank and she obviously cashed in on Charlotte Flair um, the next night on Raw and became the new Raw Women's Champion. Um, she's obviously, I mean, this is this is just, like I said, uh, she's going to be a transitional champion. She ain't no way, no freaking way Nikki A.S.H. is going to be a champion for more than a month. No way. I, I highly doubt Nikki Cross is going to be the champion at SummerSlam. Highly doubt it, especially when you have the impending return of Becky Lynch. There's no way you're not going to have that big money match with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. No way. That's 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 what the match is going to be at SummerSlam. So I see Charlotte Flair, <laughs> which is, this is ridiculous, becoming a, what, 14, 15-time world champion in a span of five years? Unreal. I mean, don't get me, don't get it twisted. I love, I love Charlotte Flair in terms of her ability. She's obviously, for me, one of the best who ever did it. And, but damn. 15 times in five years, and yeah, I get it. To be a 15-time world champion, you have had to lose the belt 14 times, so you're a 14-time loser. But damn, man, like, (laughs) they give that belt to people, you know, like freaking hotcakes all the time. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. 15-time world champion. I see it happening real quick. And I see Becky returning, Becky challenging Charlotte Flair, and probably Becky coming back to win the title. And then you'll have Becky feud with Charlotte again. Then maybe you'll have Becky with Rhea and then leading up to whatever will be at WrestleMania. Um so yeah, Nikki Ash, ugh. you know, the Hurricane didn't win a title till he became Gregory Helms. Just throwing that out there. Um <laughs> uh AJ Styles and almost defeated the Viking Raiders. Um Almost on uh, every pay-per-view. And and I went to WrestleMania this past year and almost was over at WrestleMania. Almost was over here as well. Almost, for someone his size, moves way better than Kali did. He moves way better than um, El Gigante, Giant Gonzalez. He moves way better than a lot of guys that size. He's a good athlete. He has a good he has good facial expressions. He's not bad. He's still green as grass. Don't get it twisted. It's not like I'm saying he's Eddie Guerrero, but uh, I think the guy is okay. I, I I actually enjoy almost. I think you know yeah he's a big he could be a big lumbering log at the same time. But but you know like I said the guy the guy is young. He has a lot of experience ahead of him. Um. But almost an AJ Styles defeated the Viking Raiders in, 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 in a decent match. They told a decent story. AJ's going to be the one to take all the punishment. Um, almost is going to be the one to get the hot tag and, and, and you know, just decimate the other, the, the competition. So I don't know how long this AJ and almost thing is going to last. Listen, similar to NXT with Dakota Kai and, and, and Raquel Gonzalez and, for those of you who don't read spoilers, sorry, <laughs> but something that I called eons ago when Raquel Gonzalez won the NXT championship, I called them doing the whole Shawn Michaels diesel turn where Shawn Michaels betrayed Kevin Nash and 
then they're going to have their their feud. It, it's happening. Dakota Kai is going to betray Raquel Gonzalez, and then they're probably going to have the match to take over before SummerSlam. It's 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 destined to happen, and it's going to happen with AJ and Omos too. One day AJ is going to accidentally hit Omos. He's going to miss a move. He's going to catch him, and then Omos is going to get pissed, and Omos is going to beat down AJ Styles, which will probably turn AJ Styles back to a babyface and almost will stay a heel and almost will probably be out of the WWE within a year after <laughs> maybe maybe not because what do you do with a guy like that you know I mean the guy is a freaking tree you know it's like AJ Styles who's a grown man who's probably like 510 uh, you know may, almost six feet tall and you got this gargantuan moving next to him it looks like two other guys you know what I mean like <laughs> it's unreal. The guy, a guy that size is ridiculous. Um, now on to the next of the festivities for Money in the Bank. Um, this is probably my favorite part: Bobby Lashley completely destroying Kofi Kingston. Now, this isn't like Brock Lesnar beating Kofi Kingston in two seconds to become the WWE uh, Universal. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Universal. It was for the WWE title. This was a complete destruction, okay? This version of Bobby Lashley that we're seeing right now, and and he also defeated the returning Keith Lee who came, up, who came back on Monday. And for those of you who are still on the bandwagon that Keith Lee is buried right now, I don't think so either for the main, for the, for main reason. Did you guys really expect him to beat Bobby Lashley on his first night? It's not like he's in there with a schmuck. He's in there with the world champ. Yeah, come on, man. I didn't expect Keith Lee to win. I didn't. I, I didn't expect Keith Lee to to put on a five star performance against Bobby Lashley. You know what I mean? I expect Keith Lee, and I wanted this when the Hurt Business was around. Keith Lee should team up with Bobby Lashley. If you if they make a new hurt business, if they bring in more guys, I think Keith Lee would have been the perfect fit for the hurt business. Perfect fit. If they would have kept uh Shelton and, and Cedric, you know, that whole group would have would have been almost unbeatable. You know, and it could still happen. You know, Keith Lee could come back and say, Listen, you know, I went after Bobby Lashley and he showed me what I needed to to get ahead in this business he showed me what i needed to tap into you know because keith lee is like a gentle a gentle giant you know he's a very athletic he's a beast he's a powerhouse but he's very charismatic and you know he he likes to uh, he's, a, he's a character you know but if he can tap into whatever uh, uh what bobby lashley has oh what a monster that guy could be he's a freaking beast <laughs> so I think um, Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley being a part of the new Hurt Business could be something down the road. Um, thing is, I feel like they got rid of so many guys, but yet they still have so many guys on the show. <laughs> like I'm looking at it, and I'm like, damn. You know, like they got rid of a bunch of dudes. AEW and Impact picked some of them up. And it's just like, I feel like they still have a big-ass roster. You know, <laughs> but honestly, the way they're using Bobby Lashley right now, I feel like this is what he should have been the minute they brought him back into WWE. This is the way this is the this is the Lashley that wants to fight Brock, wants to wrestle Brock Lesnar. This is the Lashley that dominated like impact and and and, you know, and, you know, he fought in Bellator and, and did all this other stuff. Um but the way they're booking of Bobby Lashley right now is the perfect way to book Bobby Lashley right now. You know, all about business, man. MVP, you know, he told MVP uh, a week or so ago, you know, the bullshit needs to stop and we need to get back to business. That That's the Bobby Lashley that we need, you know. And now he beats Keith Lee on Monday night. And who comes out but Goldberg? <laughs> Listen. I'm a Goldberg fan. I've always been a Goldberg fan growing up. And I understand he has a contract with WWE that he can wrestle about what? Two, maybe two, three times, two or three times a year. 
the mistake WWE makes and it makes people resent the guy returning is these guys are attractions. Goldberg, Lesnar, you know, a lot of these guys who who they bring on short-term deals, they do not have to be going for the championship. They do not have to be in the main event. I've said it so many times on this show and other people's shows about Brock Lesnar. I don't give two shits if Brock Lesnar signs a 25-year contract extension as long as he's not in the main event, as long as he's always not in the title picture or the champion himself. I don't care if Brock Lesnar's a mid-carder. Same for Goldberg, okay? Goldberg, since he's returned a few years back in, what, 2016? He has won the Undisputed Championship twice. Twice in four years. Or four or five years. He's won the undis- uh, the Universal title. He beat The Fiend, who was the hottest freaking character at the time. He beat Bray Wyatt for the Universal title. And he beat Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship a few years back. Okay? We don't need Bill Goldberg going after now your hot one of your hottest the, the you have two champions right now who are the hottest they've ever been Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley Goldberg shouldn't be near any of them but you got Goldberg and Bobby Lashley and I've said it for a while now the big money match is ironically the other part-timer Lashley and Lesnar now, the reason I say Lesnar is because I feel Lesnar could have a way better match with Lashley than Goldberg can. Goldberg can last two minutes, th- four minutes tops, and he's done. He's toast. You know, Lesnar is not 50 years old. A lot of people might think he is, but no, Lesnar is in his early 40s, which, I mean, look at AJ Styles. He's in his 40s. Look at Randy Orton. He's in his early 40s. A lot of these guys are up there in age. You know, but Goldberg, the way they booked him, I want to say last year was perfect. Dolph Ziggler. They put Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler. That is perfect. He, he put him against a name who's probably low to mid to low to high mid card and put Goldberg. He's an attraction. You don't put an attraction to go after the championship. You know, come on, man. <laughs> You're going to make me bug out. But. That's what we got for SummerSlam. And honestly, I think the way they're booking Lashley, they need to book Lashley to destroy Goldberg relatively quick. Okay? When was the last time we saw Goldberg? He wrestled Drew McIntyre for the freaking championship. The same championship. Enough with Goldberg going after the title. Enough. (laughs) I can't take it, man. (laughs) But you know what? Good. Feed Goldberg to Bobby Lashley. And then you'll then hopefully we can get the match that people actually wanted to see, Lashley and Brock. Let's get it. All right. So, with that being said, uh, Rhea Ripley. Obviously, we don't need to talk about Ripley and Charlotte. The one thing I can tell you about Ripley and Charlotte is it was a slow building match that ended up being a really good match toward the end. Okay, in the beginning of that match, the crowd was getting on them, saying they wanted uh. We want Becky. We want Becky because they were hyped because Becky Lynch was in Fort Worth, Texas that weekend. Um, she posted a picture in front of the arena, so she was definitely there. So the crowd wanted Becky Lynch. So you can tell that Rhea looked a little uh, flustered and, and Charlotte was trying to get the crowd out of it. And they won the crowd back by having a badass match, you know. And uh, Charlotte ended up winning the belt. And obviously, the next night, losing it to Nikki Cross. I'm not calling her Nikki A-S-H. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Biggie, Mr. Money in the Bank. Um, I texted a friend of mine, uh, and I straight up told him, I think the last time WWE, for a WWE event, I actually got some goosebumps was when Edge returned at the Royal Rumble two years ago. Felt so happy to see Edge. Um, but I felt that this past week seeing Big E win the money in the bank. Um more 
I mean, Kofi Kingston winning the world title was cool. But um but I was happier for Big E because that's a guy that I've always said that um he was the, the I always thought he would be the main event guy out of the new day. Um so hopefully WWE doesn't screw this up and Big E becomes a future champion. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> and the storyline, the way it's going, it's looking like Big E is going to cash in on Lashley and not Roman because his New Day brothers are dealing with Bobby Lashley. So he could very easily cash in on Lashley or we could just he could just hold on to that briefcase, wait to get drafted back to Raw because the draft is coming up too. He can get drafted to Raw, and then there you go. It's uh, easier access to to Bobby Lashley. (laughs) Unless he does it at SummerSlam, like after Lashley kills Goldberg, which is going to happen. But but super happy for Big E. Now, Edge and Roman finally get the one-on-one match that we were supposed to get at WrestleMania, Uh, but they had to give Daniel Bryan his last hurrah. Bryan hasn't been seen since. Cause he's in, cause he's gonna end up in AEW. <laughs> but um, Edge and Roman told a good story, had a great match. However, it was a very predictable, predictable ending. The ending, the predictable ending, ruined it for me. Because, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I'm not gonna sit here and say I didn't enjoy the match. I enjoyed the match. But Seth Rollins, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it was gonna happen. They freaking, they blatantly announced that he was going to get involved. (laughs) So Seth Rollins being upset that he didn't win money in the bank, decided to take it upon himself to interfere in the match, cost Edge the win pretty much. So now SummerSlam, we're going to have Edge, Seth Rollins. We're going to have Lashley and Goldberg. And then we're going to have Roman Reigns against the man who returned right after John Cena. John Cena comes out to a massive pop saying he's back and that he opens the next night on raw saying he is here to challenge Roman Reigns for the universal title at SummerSlam. Fast forward to last night. I know I'm going back and forth, but that's what I do. Roman Reigns at the end of SmackDown comes out and says he does not accept John Cena's challenge, but then Finn Balor, who returned the week earlier, comes out and says maybe Roman Reigns will be interested in his challenge. Then Roman accepts. Now, I'm like, wait a minute. What is happening here? (laughs) All this buildup for the summer of Cena that they're calling it now. Just for Cena and Roman not to face each other at SummerSlam? For it to be Roman and Balor? I kind of thought to myself, is Cena injured? What what is going on here? And then I see a video of a dark match after SmackDown went off the air. It was the Usos against Rey Mysterio and John Cena. Huh. Interesting. Roman Reigns comes out to help his cousins. Cena and Roman get face-to-face in front of the crowd. Roman backs out, gets out of the ring. So I'm thinking to myself, huh. Maybe Balor and Roman go at it before SummerSlam. Balor gives him a good fight. Roman wins. And then somehow, some way, we get Cena versus Roman at SummerSlam. Let's rewind a few years ago when these two first feuded for a short period of time. Cena absolutely destroyed destroyed Roman Reigns on the mic. It was almost, it, you almost kind of felt bad for Roman. <laughs> I thought it was great TV. <laughs> but um, it's going to be a different story this time. Roman Reigns, I wanted to see what type of promo he was going to do. And I wanted it not to be Heyman doing the talking. I wanted it to be Roman. And it, it was great. I enjoyed it. Roman Reigns saying, you know, 
why am I going to acknowledge John Cena when all I have to do to to for this is to re- look at an old video from five, six years ago? It's the same exact guy, same exact entrance, same exact talk, same you can't see me, same clothes, same thing, same everything. He's not interested in John Cena. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was cool. He was like, it was like doing missionary every night. <laughs> so we have three mega matches for SummerSlam. SummerSlam's looking good. Let's see how it builds up. We got about another month to go. Um, so with that, AEW. AEW this past uh this past week Andrade El Idolo announces he has a new um uh, not a manager but a new uh consultant of sorts Chavo Guerrero another guy from the past that AEW is bringing in um Chavo looked, I mean, he looked good. You know, he didn't, I, I don't know if he's going to wrestle. Um, I don't know if he and Andrade are going to be like a team. I know eventually I see Penta and, and Phoenix betraying Pac and joining up with Andrade and Chavo. I could definitely see that happening. Having like a little LWO action going on here. A little Latino world order in AEW, you know. Um, one guy who I'm really appreciating how they're booking is Miro. They're booking him very well. He is looking like an absolute monster in AEW, and I, for one, appreciate it. <laughs> um, it's just a matter of time before his wife, Lana C.J. Perry, eventually ends up in AEW managing Miro. We could see that. I can see that happening. Um... This past week started the trials of Jericho, I think MJF is calling it, or something like that. He wrestled Sean Spears, and the the stipulation of the match was Sean Spears can use a chair in the match, and Jericho can't. Um, so Jericho defeated Spears. MJF was on commentary. MJF decides to name Jericho's next opponent. It will be in a no-disqualification match. Against Nick Gage. (laughs) Nick Gage. Of CZW fame and Game Changer Wrestling fame. Deathmatch Wrestling Extraordinaire. (sighs) Okay. This is when I go on a little bit of a, not necessarily a rant, but... This is when I start to think a little bit. What is the purpose? And let me let me try to phrase my words properly. This signing, and who knows if it's even long term. It could be very, very, very short term, which honestly I think it is. Now, am I hating on the guy for getting an opportunity? Absolutely not. Good for him. That at his age... I think Nick Gage is hitting 40 if he's not there already. Nick Gage, who's been around for all this time, who's done pretty much nothing but death matches for the past 15 to 20 years, okay, is now going to be on national television, on TNT, performing with one of the greatest of all time on live television. This could be possibly a disaster. Or if Nick Gage can actually work, it could work out. Up to this point, honestly, the biggest name that Nick Gage has been feuding with, probably besides John Moxley, because, I mean, let's be real, when he and Moxley feuded 15, 20 years, uh, 15, 12 to 15 years ago, John Moxley wasn't that big of a name at the time either. So the biggest name he's feuded with up to this moment is Zack Ryder. Come on, man. I mean, 
I'm not going to completely take a big dump on deathmatch wrestling. I will be a hypocrite and a liar if I said I didn't watch deathmatch wrestling growing up for the most part and actually kind of enjoyed it. However, I've been a wrestling fan for 30 plus years. So as the purest wrestling fan in me, not many of those guys rose up to become household names and actually respected for the craft of professional wrestling. Okay, Moxley, Sammy Callahan. Uh, you want to put Mick Foley and Terry Funk in that list? You can, but... You want to know the big difference? Eddie Kingston, who's in AEW as well. Now, I was I was listening to the Busted Open radio show. Um, LeGrec, Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray and all these other guys. And Bully Ray compared Nick Gage to Eddie Kingston. I guess in, in his opinion, he feels that there's a lot of similarities there. There's some. Honestly, for me, I feel, and this is just my opinion. Again, I'm I'm nobody in the industry. I'm just a fan looking from the outside in. The difference between Eddie Kingston and Nick Gage is Eddie Kingston can work. Eddie Kingston can have a good match in that ring. Eddie Kingston can talk on the mic. Eddie Kingston is, you know, and, and Billy Ray had mentioned Eddie Kingston got his opportunity with that one match against Cody. And he made the best of it, and now he has a job. He said, let's see if Nick Gage could do the same. Do I think Nick Gage can do the same as Eddie Kingston did? No, I don't think so. The difference between Eddie, the difference between Nick Gage and Sammy Callahan, Sammy Callahan could work. John Moxley could work. Nick Gage. Let's see. I'm not rooting against the guy. I'm not against the guy. But just like MJF mentioned, this guy almost killed David Arquette. <laughs> he almost murdered David Arquette. <laughs> oh, man. And they're putting Jericho in there with him. And Jericho, character-wise, is coming out as the pain maker from New Japan Pro Wrestling just to hype it up even more. Let's see. That's all I got to say. Let's wait and see. Because Nick Gage could possibly be a liability to a company. I mean, shit. In one of his death matches, if you look at the Dark Side of the Ring documentary for him, which was crazy, by the way. And I got respect for the guy. I do. Because he obviously loves what he does. If he didn't, he wouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? So he does have a passion for this uh, very violent style, very uh, slasher genre-ish style of professional wrestling. He loves it. And it, and and he was dead legally for eight minutes <laughs> after one of his matches with some random European deathmatch star who weighed all about 110 pounds. Come on, man. You know? you. I mean, you do got to have some respect for a guy who would kill himself for an industry when he was only probably at an audience of about 200 people, you know, Mick Foley could work. Terry Funk is a freaking legend wrestler. First Mick Foley was a wrestler first. I don't know who trained Nick Gage to be honest with you. I didn't go that far into his history to see how he paid his dues. I've known of Nick Gage for a long time because growing up, I watched a little bit of CCW as a teenager into my, you know, CCW and XPW and all those other hardcore feds were born out of ECW for the most part. Not to say they were, not to say, you know, they were born because of ECW, but ECW probably had a good, you know, a good uh, influence on that. You know, them, them, those uh, hardcore matches in Japan from FMW, you know, had a big thing to do with that. The deathmatch genre is real and it has its fan base. It's just not for everybody. <laughs> Nick Gage is not for everybody. And AEW, huh, 
AEW is going to figure out what they brought in. You know, Nick Gage is, I I mean, he's going to work with Jericho, who's, like I said, one of the best of all time. Maybe Jericho can get a good match out of him, but we'll see this coming week. We will see. Like I said, I'm not hating on Gage. If he's able to put on the performance of a lifetime for him and get a job and make money in the business that he almost died for, good for him. And I'll be happy for the guy. I just don't see it. And if I'm wrong, then cool. Then then, then I'll say I'm wrong. But I'm going to play the wait and see game. And figure, and, and we'll, we'll see. <laughs> and hopefully he doesn't kill Jericho. <laughs> but um, AEW is showing that similar to WCW, they're willing to just hire anybody. Now, on to two other hires that is just zooming through the dirt sheets and the internet and all over the place. However, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's 100% legit that Brian Danielson and CM Punk have signed already with AEW. I'm not at liberty to say because I don't know. But that's what's going around it, uh, big time all over the place. Everybody is talking about it. Just a matter of when will AEW decide to announce that they signed either one of them? You know? And if they did sign CM Punk, is CM Punk going to wrestle? Or is he going to be like another sixth or seventh freaking announcer that they have? (laughs) It feels like every older guy that they've brought in from WWE is, is an announcer. Big Show, Mark Henry, you know, oh, the the next person to join our commentary team. How many commentators do you need? <laughs> it's bad enough the main one that you have constantly calls a WWE. Sorry, Jim Ross. I I love Jim Ross, but damn, bro. <laughs> but you know, Excalibur does a good job. Tony Schiavone does a good job. You know, Jim does a good job for what it, for what it, for what it is. How many commentators do you need? You always have a guest commentator on every freaking show. You know, Taz is in there for the most part every time one of his guys is out there. You know, Jericho does commentary from time to time. You don't need all this commentary. (laughs) So if CM Punk is brought in, if he's brought in to wrestle and Brian's coming in as well, that could be a game changer along with some of the guys that you brought in already. Like Alistair Black, like Andrade, you know, Miro's doing a good thing there. And then a mix of what you, what what the cornerstones of your company, which is Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, you know, which is cool that they're, they're Adam Page is the guy that's getting pushed, and he's the guy that will probably beat Kenny Omega for the AEW championship. I thought... Hangman should have won the first title when when he and Jericho went at it when AEW first uh first came out. Hangman is at a high point right now. He's probably one of the most over guys in the company. You know, him and and he's carrying the dark order on his back ever since, you know, Brody Lee passed away. Um but yeah, Kenny Omega right now feuding with Hangman in AEW and he's feuding now with Jay White in Impact because at the end of Slammiversary Jay White decided to come out and now he's challenging Kenny Omega Bullet Club versus Elite that's interesting who's to say maybe eventually the whole damn club doesn't come back together that would be interesting he's having two different feuds in two different companies well if you count triple a three different feuds because i think he's going to be defending the triple a mega championship against andrade so he is the AEW champion he's probably going to be going against a new aew star in triple a and then he's going to be defending the impact championship against a guy who's a champion in new japan 
Wow. <laughs> While defending the AEW title in AEW against Adam Page. Kenny Omega. Uh, listen. I've always. I, I am a Kenny Omega fan. I'm not going to say I'm not. But. Kenny Omega being the face of three different companies at the same time. Got to respect the guy for it. But at the same time, is he doing anything for impact? Really? And is he doing anything for Mexico? Really? I don't think so. The whole belt collector thing. That collection is about to get real short, in my opinion. Because I honestly thought he should have lost it to Sammy Callahan, the impact title. But if he's going to lose it to Jay White, that's fine. I mean, I don't think Jay White is going to stay in impact long, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know how what the terms of his contract are. Yeah, Thunder Rosa debuting impact on Slammiversary going against um, Deanna Perrazzo for the Impact Women's Championship. Just for two days later, AEW announcing that they signed Thunder Rosa exclusively. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. And she was just recently still signed to the NWA. And then Mickey James, who's in the NWA, is trying to do this uh, NWA Empower either show or or women's tournament or something like that, and is recruiting chicks from Impact, inc- including the champion, Deanna Perrazzo. So there's a lot of craziness going on. A lot of wrestlers are working with different companies at the same time, which is cool. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. WWE is the only company, obviously, you can't do that because they're the big dog. They're the, the they're exclusive contracts to WWE. But all the other companies, which is why I mentioned the territories earlier, this is reminiscent of the territories where a wrestler will work for one company and then you'll see them in a different company and then you see them at another company and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I said, it's an interesting time to be a fan because a lot of stuff is happening. A lot of stuff is going on. <laughs> um, But yeah, I honestly think Kenny Omega is going to be losing at least one or two of those belts. Um, I'd say he loses the Impact title and the AEW championship. That Mexican championship, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how big he is in Mexico. Um. What would be interesting if Kenny defeated Jay White for one of those New Japan championships? <laughs> Talk about belt collector, <laughs> but I don't see I don't see that happening. Um, so with that being said, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, like I said, super excited for for Biggie winning the Money in the Bank. Um, I think Keith Lee, like I said, Keith Lee should join up with Lashley. Um, uh, Alistair Black and Cody Rhodes, I think they're going to have a pretty dope feud. Um, they're going to have a nice set of matches um, in AEW. I'm excited for Alistair Black to be free to uh, be creative, you know, and um, ever since he got let go from WWE because WWE, you know, in the main roster. And here's the thing. A lot of people were wondering how Alistair Black was able to jump to AEW so quickly. Apparently for NXT talents, if they get let go, it's a 30-day no-complete clause compared to the main roster talents that are a 90-day no-complete no-compete clause. Apparently when Aleister Black got brought up to the main roster, they forgot to tweak his contract. <laughs> so technically he was still at a 30-day no-compete clause if he got let go. And that's exactly what happened. So after 30 days, he was already in AEW. Braun Strowman, I mentioned him earlier. I'm not 100% sure where he's going to end up. AEW, how much money do, does this Tony Khan guy really have? I mean, is it kind of like a Ted Turner type of thing where he just has unlimited funds to sign anybody? Because, damn it, you, you're bringing in all these guys and the possibility of CM Punk, who's probably definitely not cheap. Daniel Bryan, he'll probably give you a discount because he just wants to freaking wrestle. Um, then you're gonna you're gonna bring in Braun Strowman also. How? Where does all this? Where's all this? I mean, I'm wondering if he just has an unlimited checkbook, just like just like Ted Turner did. Unfortunately, 
hopefully AEW is not going to end up looking like WCW because of all the guys that they sign. Because you're going to sign a bunch of dudes, and then eventually you're going to neglect some of your core wrestlers for these bigger-named, more uh, established stars. It's going to happen. And then you're going to end up feeding your core wrestlers to these guys, and eventually your fan base is going to see what's happening. So I would love Braun Strowman to go to New Japan and just destroy everybody. (laughs) That will be interesting. But with that being said, the show's almost done. I'm almost running out of stuff here from my notes. Um, Yeah, so unfortunately I'm going to end off on a kind of a kind of a sad note uh like i said we had a few uh deaths within the past month um now i'm gonna do a little little something different here so bear with me for one second um so when you hear this theme song obviously i know what the answer is gonna be but when you hear it who do you think of Now, most wrestling fans who have been fans for the past, what, decade and a half or so, would say they hear that song, they think of Kurt Angle. I'll probably think the same thing if someone asked me right off the bat, off the top of my dome. However, if the question was, who was the first person to have that theme? The Patriot, Del Wilkes, um, who passed away a few weeks back. Um Del Wilkes was uh one second here. I lost it. <laughs> okay. Del Wilkes start was a college football standout um who started his professional wrestling career in the AWA. Um and then when he ended up in the Global Wrestling Federation, that's when he first became the Patriot. He had uh red, white, and blue uh tights. He had a red, white, and blue mask. Yeah, he wore the mask. Um, and the, and apparently he had a run in WWF in the early nineties, 91 and 92. I don't remember that. Um, apparently it was a short run. Then he ended up in all Japan pro wrestling, which was the company. I think that was owned by Tenru. I want to say I could be off, but I think so. (laughs) It was kind of the rival promotion to new Japan pro wrestling. Um, and I, I remember seeing the Patriot in WCW. He was, uh, Tag team partners, I think, with Two Cold Scorpio and then with Marcus Alexander Bagwell, um, Buff Bagwell for all you guys who don't remember him as Marcus Bagwell. But, yeah, the Stars and Stripes, they were the WCW tag champs for a little bit. And then uh, out of nowhere, like a f- couple of years later, I see the Patriot in WWE. And uh, he feuded with Bret Hart when Bret Hart was the angry Canadian <laughs> champion. <laughs> but he didn't last long in WWE, and I think uh, he had a lot of injuries. And after getting released from WWE, he actually retired from wrestling altogether. Um, and unfortunately for Del Wilkes, you know, uh, he passed away. Uh, let me see what the actual date was. June 30th, so not even a month ago. June 30th from a heart attack. So rest in peace to Del Wilkes, the Patriot. Um, another guy who I had mentioned on the last show, and he died about a month ago. This guy. Now, if you were a big ECW fan like I was growing up, especially at during its hottest period um there's no way you don't remember hearing that song for multiple times during a new jack match <laughs> jerome young aka new jack um i and the crazy thing about new jack and and this would be later in his career obviously with all the craziness if you didn't see dark side of the ring New Jack's dark side of the ring was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> what a madman New Jack was. Um, but I'll tell you this. 
similar to Nick Gage, New Jack in his later career kind of became a liability um, to himself because the way he would act and the way he would do things, no major promotion would, would bring him in. Um, he did make sporadic appearances like uh, for Impact, you know, uh, like when they would do the ECW reunion shows and he would do shows for, for Shane Douglas for uh, Hardcore Homecoming and all that stuff. But in terms of besides ECW and, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was pretty much a small regional company, you would have never seen New Jack in WWE. And there was a rumor going around for a while that they were going to bring in New Jack. Um, but it just it just didn't happen. And the reason for that is because Vince McMahon wasn't going to be able to control New Jack. I highly doubt. Even though I think New Jack, to make his money, I think he would have played ball because I think half of that is just character. But New Jack was <laughs> such an entertaining guy. Um, he he would have the hardcore matches, but he, he can put on, he, he can have a decent match. I think New Jack could work. New Jack was one of the better talkers. Underrated, underrated talkers in this industry. No doubt the, that guy could work. And uh, he entertained the crap out of me with his interviews. He had a lot of crazy stories. <laughs> um, it, if you want to see any of that, just go on YouTube. Just look up New Jack interview. You will be entertained for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean he entertained the shit out of me and for that brother i appreciate you rest in peace to the late great jerome young aka new jack um hardcore legend for sure um but damn he didn't go out like he wanted to because at the dark <laughs> that dark side of the ring documentary he said he wanted to be like 80 something years old in a wheelchair snorting coke <laughs> Didn't happen how he planned, but uh, nevertheless, rest in peace to the to the original gangster, New Jack. Now, the last guy I want to speak about to end off, an absolute legend, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Um, what, what can you say about that guy, man? He was he was a powerhouse, um, great talker, great worker, um, main eventer of the very first WrestleMania himself and hot rod rowdy piper against hulk hogan and mr t jimmy snooker was there pat patterson was there you know uh muhammad ali the whole the whole gang was there the whole motley crew was there <laughs> um then uh he became a baby face after that teamed up with hogan for a little while then betrayed hogan joined up with bobby the brain heenan um he after his wwe run the first time he ended up joining that uwf that was that was that was a crazy time that's another one <laughs> that you got to see the the dark side of the ring of uh i think it was cocaine and cowboys or some shit like that i forgot what the name was but it was the uwf story and uh it was some crazy stuff he was a part of that federation for a little bit but then he had a huge run in wcw he had a very, very good run in WCW, tag team championships, television championship uh, with uh, Paul Roma. They were known as pretty wonderful. Um, he was managed by the assassin at one point, uh, Jody Hamilton, I believe. Um, yeah, just a just a great run. He almost became a horseman. I, I remember that that was later on in his career. Um, he was on his way out. He was almost done. Um, he uh, I think. He had literally just, his name was just Mr. Wonderful. He took the Paul Orndorff out. He had this ridiculous theme song that was like opera singers. <laughs> it was just singing to himself, and he was looking at himself in the mirror and all that. He had this one arm that was smaller than the other because it had uh, his muscle had atrophied, I think. Um, so, you know. He had he had to retire due to injury and and you know age age was catching up to him and stuff, but Mister Wonderful Paul Ondorf was an absolute legend. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, uh, you know, and he was just one of the one of the greats, man. Uh, one of the greats in the eighties. He was really good in the early nineties. Um, but yeah, rest in peace to an absolute legend, man, Mister Wonderful Paul Ondorf, and um. With that being said, you know, uh, this has been 
episode 58 of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you can catch the show as usual on the SN. SD Podcast Channel, SDblog.com. You can catch the show on any podcasting platform you can think of. SoundCloud. No, not anymore. <laughs> Sorry about that. Spotify music. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts. You can catch it on Google Play. Um, anywhere. Anywhere you get your podcast from. You can check out the guys, check out my show. And you can check it out on my website as well, johnnypodcaster.com. Um, yeah. And with that being said, this was episode 58. Thank you guys for listening. And once again, I'll be back next time because like I said, SummerSlam season is here and it's going to be a big time for professional wrestling. Let's wait and see about all the signings, all the news and all the events that's coming up. Thank you everybody for listening. Catch you next time. Peace.